Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Welcome, everyone, to the Life and Rhythm Podcast. I'm here with my friend Kimberly. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Um, I think I was telling you earlier, our daughter went back to school yesterday for the first time in over a year, and so I'm good, and also it's like weird, like, whoa. You're kind of sad about I, it. Oh, totally. Like, it's a little <laughs> bit of both, right? So I'm, um, like, remembering what it feels like to get work done not interrupted, and then also, How weird yeah, a little bit sad, like, yeah. yeah, it's weird not having her around. Yeah. yeah. Well, I met Kimberly through Surge, Surge Network, and she serves as the rector of All Souls in Phoenix, an Anglican church within the Diocese of Church for the Sake of Others, Yeah, C4SO. Mm-hmm. Me and Adam like to call Todd our bishop. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Do it. He's our bishop. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious, can you tell us just a little bit of background of how you got to today, kind of some of your spiritual journey? <laughs> yeah. How did you become a rector within the yeah. Anglican church? Okay. So I'll try to like summarize it briefly because you know 41 years might take a while to tell you all about um but I'll just say that I think so I was raised in the Unitarian church um and at a really young age yeah maybe we haven't talked about that before yeah so at a really young age started asking a lot of questions which I would say like the Unitarian church is a really great place to ask a lot of questions sure um and as I started asking those questions like it became really clear I think like for me that there were pieces of the Unitarian Church that I think to this day I would say formed me and like led me to where I am. But like questions about Jesus and yeah. Trinity and, and scripture that, you know, the answers I was getting, I knew just like deep down weren't things that I like agreed with. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like at a young age, like Jesus pursued me and I really sensed his presence. And that's a part of what just kind of um, led me into asking these questions mm. and beginning to like um, know Jesus. And so I became a Christian in middle school, just like going to churches with like friends whose dads were pastors. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like where my, my journey really started as a, as a follower of Jesus. And then I've spent time in a few different like churches or denominations, a lot of like time in non-denominational spaces, but another like long part of my story that I'll shrink down <laughs> is that I, so as an infant, I was baptized in the Roman Catholic church. You were. Yeah. So my mom's family is very like, kind of like Irish Catholic. I grew up in St. Louis, very Catholic city. Um, and so I was baptized as an infant. So then in college, kind of reconnected with like my roots in the Roman Catholicism, if you will. Wow. So I went through catechism in the Roman Catholic Church in college cool. um, and was confirmed <laughs> then. Um, and so so I think that like, so the Roman Catholic Church, but also like the Holy Catholic Church, right, as a whole, right. has been, I think, really like formational for me and and like the church historic. Yeah. And so for us as a family, my husband um, and I and our daughter, who is almost nine, um, as we like kind of left our last church home which was in a non-denominational space um we weren't really sure where god was taking us next and through um like absolutely the work of the holy spirit the kind of thing we 
never could have imagined. We ended up a part of this Anglican church plant. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, it was just like a small group of people meeting, mostly like sharing meals, praying together, just kind of listening to the Lord and and discerning kind of what might come next. Our brother Andrew. Andrew, Yep. So Andrew and I um, pastor all souls together. And at that point in time, he yeah had just kind of started this community of people just kind of seeking Jesus and listening to the spirit. And so that was like three years ago or so. And sort of over the course of time, I've, you know, like first was kind of in this role, like sort of this volunteer type role and then moved into a more formal staff position. And then again, like the kind of thing that like only God could have written this. I never could have imagined it or like made it happen on my own. Um, we're to this point where I, uh, a priest in the Anglican Church in North America and yes we're in this diocese churches for the sake of other that we love that's been so good amazing for us like individually I think as pastors and leaders but then for our people it's just given us um just an even deeper appreciation for I think especially like the missional church yeah. and our call to be a missional people um and Andrew and I share a lot of leadership and decision making but because of our Anglican ecclesiology. We have a rector or a lead pastor. Um, And yeah, I don't know. That's how I end up. That's like the super short version. I love it. And I think Anglicanism for us in a lot of ways um, and for, you know, for me and for us as a family just really um, speaks to what like we've longed for and I think especially like a missional Anglicanism mm-hmm. um, just really um, has been a sweet spot for us and a really yeah. like healthy place yeah. too for us to exist and just imagine what yeah. God's calling us into. Wow. So, so I'm just, I'm imagining in my head little, little Kimberly. Yes. Being baptized in the, in the Catholic church yes. into the Unitarian. Yes. <laughs> back into Catholicism. Yeah. Into non, and that's where probably you met Steve. Yeah. In the non-denominational church. world. And he was raised in like the independent Baptist church. Okay. So. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. yeah Y'all come together. You have yep. this awesome little girl. And so now, uh, so I want to wrap this conversation around the ideas of prayer and fasting or the yeah. spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting. Yeah. And, it's even interesting to think about how those different traditions practice prayer Mm -hmm. and how they practice fasting. And one of the richest times of prayer I've ever had in my life was at a church for the sake of others Mm. um, location in, in California. It was actually when Todd was the rector there at Holy Trinity. Yeah. And I remember they invited people outside to be prayed over and somebody laid hands on Mm me and, uh, you know when you have somebody pray over you and you can tell that they're really listening yeah. for the Spirit in that moment? And they're not just like, okay, lay hands on you and then quickly just start to talk, but they're like really listening. And whoever it was that prayed over me, I remember they, this guy, this older gentleman, just kind of brushed my shoulders off on uh-huh. both sides of my shoulders. Uh-huh. And he spoke Matthew 11, mm. 28 over me. Mm. Of just Jesus, remove any heavy burdens off a mat and I remember I started crying and Mm. it was such a tender moment um and that whole service and like a lot of Anglican services we were praying the psalms yeah it was just yeah beautiful liturgy um so I'm curious you know because we've been talking about disciple making movements for the last year almost and that first and foremost is the work of the Holy Spirit it's not something that we can do but something that I think God wants to do in the world yeah and that the Holy Spirit is first and foremost the engine behind that. And so primarily the first element of disciple-making movements is prayer and fasting. Yeah. 
So talk us through your journey, maybe even through all those traditions up mm-hmm. till now of like, how has that looked over the years? Yeah. Was there any, because in high school, the only fasting experience I had was this really weird youth group event called 30 hour famine. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? No. See, I wasn't like it was in a lot weird. of spaces. spaces. <laughs> there was a bowling alley involved. Oh, really? Not, yeah, yeah, no, don't remember I remember that. a lot of kids cheating. Yeah. <laughs> So tell I know us. like growing teenagers and it's like, yeah, yeah fast, fast for 30 hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So tell us about, yeah, your journey in that prayer and fasting. Yeah. How that's, how God has shaped you over the years in those disciplines. Yeah. So I think two things. So one, interestingly enough, I think that the traditions that I've been like most closely connected with have all had a pretty strong appreciation for liturgy, which really in the Unitarian church, like that exists too. Most people don't even know like what the Unitarian church yeah. is, you know, but there is this strong appreciation for like liturgy and yeah. rhythm and kind of repetition yeah. in terms of like a service. Right? For those who have never participated in a liturgical yeah. background, how would you describe that to somebody who's never been in a service that's a liturgical service? Yeah, so I mean, I would say that we have a really um, kind of predictable rhythm that we walk through in our services that is written out for you. Mm-hmm. And so we have ours on paper. It's like always this like big debate, screen or paper. And we started <laughs> like moving to a, a screen and then COVID happened, right? Yeah. Um. So anyway, so we walk through that together. And for us, like a full Eucharist services, which is which which is what we would do most Sundays. It actually walks us through the story, the biblical story. And so in terms of like the scripture that we're reading, so it's rich with scripture. Yeah, It's rich with prayer. Um, And so that walks us through like the story. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, which is really beautiful. So every week, and we think of it as like a drama. So every week, like we're walking through the story and you know like what to expect. And we read different scripture each week so we're following the lectionary. So over the course of three yeah. years, right, we yeah. go through the whole Bible. Um, and then there are certain prayers that we pray. We could, we do confession every week mm. communally. Um, there's absolution. And then we also um, celebrate Talk about the that. Eucharist. That's a foreign word. So absolution. So yeah. absolving people of their sins. Yes. So confessing together. And then yeah. also in that confession, knowing that we're absolved, that we're free, that God has forgiven us. Yeah. And I think there's something really powerful about doing that, especially as a community. Um, I think that just in terms of, of confession, and it's not like the confession you might imagine, like, you know, going into a confessional <laughs> with yeah. a priest. Um, but this is like something that we do together collectively. Um, and then like prayers of the people where we're praying like every week for, for like, different people in different situations and we pray every week like for our president for our local government um and so there's just this like predictability and this rhythm in it that i i find really um sweet and um and there's something about having it just written out to even on i think you know we all come hopefully we're coming to church as we are each sunday so like so so some Sundays we're going to be coming like really broken and not knowing like what to say or how to pray and just having that there to pray through it together. Um, there's something really, I think, sacred about that. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I love about a liturgical service is that typically too, um, the, the sermons are homilies and they're usually pretty short. Wow. So we're usually preach, like preach 20-ish, 20-ish minutes because... Like, we are imperfect humans, right? And so, like, we pray to God, right, that, like, his words would speak through us, but, like, we're going to get stuff wrong. And so it relies heavily on scripture and on 
the word of God and a lot less focus on like the preacher. One person's Um, interpretation. Yeah, Yeah. because like we're going to get things wrong. And so that's, I think, one of my favorite things about it too. So that's, I could probably talk about that for an hour. I remember reading out loud in front of a youth group in Dallas, the Sermon on the Mount. And it took 15 minutes. Yeah. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Done. Jesus's longest sermon that we have recorded. Yeah. And how rich that is when you sit in services where there is a posture of humility. Yeah. Uh, I know that I'm bringing some of my presuppositions to this, some of my worldview. I'm dropping into this interpretation. I am not an objective robot. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so good. And I I remember reading, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Robert Mulholland's book, In Invitation to a Journey. I haven't. And he's got another one called Shaped by the word. But he talks a lot about liturgy mm. in Invitation to a Journey. His point in that book is we're all on some kind of journey. Mm-hmm. And whether we're being formed into the image of Christ or deformed, mm-hmm. the things that we're participating in, the liturgies that yeah. we're practicing are forming us Absolutely. or deforming us mm-hmm. into the image of Christ. And some of you who are listening to this are probably thinking, well, I've never been a part of a liturgical church well, maybe it's not been as predictable, but a lot of non-denominational churches right. have a liturgy. For sure. There's an upbeat song mm-hmm. up front that leads into maybe a more somber song that leads into an element that's transitioned by prayer. I mean, yeah. there's kind of a predictability there is. in all services. Yeah. But I agree with you. One of my favorite uh, elements of the Anglican tradition specifically is how heavily it relies on Scripture yeah. and saying this is the sword of the Spirit not the sword of man mm-hmm. and he gets to wield it yeah. today and we're just going to let him work. Right. And like you're saying, you can come exactly as you are yeah. and enter into this drama, mm-hmm. this true story yeah. and, and let him shape you. Yeah. 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 So talk about, um, so yeah, praying scripture and, but talk about your own personal rhythms, how that yeah. has shaped over the years in terms of, uh, is there a heavy emphasis in the Anglican tradition on fasting? I was just, yeah, uh, there is. Yeah. yeah, I would say yeah. So I think that in terms of just like kind of spiritual disciplines in general, like mm-hmm. so you fasting, prayer, and then something that we've really been pressing into, I would say, is a diocese, mm-hmm. and then also as a church, um, over the last year, and then especially like during Lent this year has been lament too, as it shapes us and forms us, and really like is I think deeply connected to prayer and to fasting and to our spiritual practices. Um, And so I would say that, so I was kind of talking earlier about like having always been, or a lot of times been a part of traditions where there is a strong emphasis on liturgy, right? And so I think for me, prayer has kind of either been shaped a lot by liturgy and written prayer, especially I think in those times where um, we're just not sure what to pray or what to say, but then also in a lot of just like conversation with God, um, like I mentioned earlier, having really like this sense of Jesus's presence with me at a young age and at that age, like wouldn't have been able to identify what it was. But as I learned more about God, it was like, Oh, Jesus is with me and has actually like has been a conversation and like prayer partner for a long time. Um, And so I've been kind of shaped by this really like informal, right? Just like conversation and knowing that God is with me and I can always bring my praises and and prayers and needs to him. But then also um, like this written prayer and the rhythm too that that provides. And so for me, like daily in my life now, what shapes a lot of my prayers, still those just kind of in the middle daily, like 
conversations and prayers, just dropping things here and there. Yeah. Um, but then also morning prayer and night prayer. And so night prayer or compline, yeah. um, I think has been especially formational for our community, all souls over like ever since COVID. So when it was like, okay, like what are we all doing? You know, <laughs> We're gonna be in this while. yeah, I mean, and for us, like, so we as a church officially launched on March 1st of 2020. Um, and so like, <laughs> yay. Um, yeah, it's like totally, it's crazy. And so, so like, as all of us were kind of fumbling and trying to figure out what we did, one of the things that we just came to like heavily rely on was the practice of compline. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's written in prayer that we pray it at nighttime. Um, and so praying that like with our people sometimes all together on Zoom yeah. and it's like a call and response. So a lot yeah. of like these prayers we're talking about in the liturgy require participation too, right? So it's written for us, but like we're talking back and yeah. forth to each other, which I, I love that too. Um, so sometimes doing it together like as a community on Zoom, sometimes recording compline prayers yeah. for people to like to send to people or for people to engage with on social media. Um, and it's been a really beautiful way, I think, like more. Morning prayer is a really beautiful way for me to like center and begin my day. Yeah. Um, and then also with night prayer, just this beautiful way to kind of end the yeah. day too. And there's pieces of each of those prayers that also recognize like celebration and joy and the way in which God protects us and is with us, but also like um, sorrow and grief that things that are real for all of us in life all the time, but that I think have felt especially um just like at the forefront over the last year. And so as we started meeting again as a church community and we're kind of easing our way back in, this, yeah. the service that we've actually been using, the liturgy has been compline. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've just been really like formed really in that. that. Yeah, in the last year. And we're now like slowly adding pieces of the Eucharist like that liturgy back into compline and yeah. phasing out. And so that's also been like this bittersweet thing of like, we've just kind of sat with this liturgy for of compline over the last year. Never would have like imagined that we would have done that, yeah. but it's just been like, I think just what we've needed. Can you talk about maybe there's somebody out there? Cause I know for a while, the tradition that I grew up in, which was non-denominational mostly there's a feeling sometimes that when you're praying somebody else's prayers, mm. It may not be authentic. It, yeah. It may be uh, the word rote, you know, yeah. of like, I'm just going through, or people would say, man, it just seems like when I visit liturgical churches, mm-hmm. it almost seems like, I've heard people say this, yeah. it seems like almost robotic. And, yep. Um, and so what would you say to people that are yeah. like, I've just, I've never experienced that in a way that's enriching, you know, to, yeah. and, and, and probably culturally, one of the highest values we have is authenticity. Right. And if it's not that, then... We don't value it yeah. at all. So. so I would so I would say, like, first I would say totally get it. Yeah, like, for sure. And I would say that that's where, like, there's room for both things. Like, I think for us in our tradition, it's not, like, written prayers, like, the only way or the best way. It's how, like, we form our services and how we worship together and get to kind of engage in this call and response and this yeah. turning toward Jesus. But I would also say that, like, that there's creativity and there's mm-hmm. space in that. It's not, like... Um, it has to be like exactly this way. So, I mean, we take liberty with that and like yeah. changing things. And even in this, like using some of Compline and some of the Eucharist yeah. and adding other prayers in, like during um, February, we used prayers from Black Liturgies. Mm-hmm. Cole Arthur Riley, if you're familiar with him, she's great. She's um, an Anglican and yeah. writes these beautiful prayers. So, we like added. I mean, and again, written prayers, but like we added her prayers in. Yeah. Um, in prayers of the people, we write, oftentimes we'll write like 
our own prayers um, and yeah. add those in. So there's like a lot yeah. of space for creativity. But I would also say that in terms of um, just developing like this rhythm and this communal prayer, that that's what feels significant in it. It's something that we practice together and do together. And the prayers that we're praying are prayers that people all over the world are praying yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And so there's something about that that, that like draws our attention to or reminds us that we're a part of something much bigger than like all souls or Phoenix or the American church, right? Knowing that these prayers and like these scriptures are being read by people um, in Africa, by people in the UK. Um, There's so many great resources out there for those of you who are thinking, I would like to start praying other people's prayers and owning them for myself. Our sister, Danae. Yep. So Danae, who I work with at Surge, yeah. um, she's amazing and brilliant and, and such a like great mind and creative. And so she has this book that came out in the fall called Healing Prayers and Meditations to Resist a Violent World. And so that's for me been a part of like my daily prayer and kind of meditation It's in my prayer closet. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then also like we've added some of Danae's prayers into our liturgy too. Um, and so there's something about like... I think with the written prayer, also adding in like other voices too, mm-hmm. um, that feels really, um, yeah, just like sacred and feels an enriching part. to me. Yeah, totally right. Yeah, and I, I would also challenge anybody who's thinking, uh, I don't know, I, I'm pretty hesitant to just pray mm-hmm. somebody else's prayer. I would say anytime you're in a room where you're singing songs on a stage that are on a screen, right. you're praying. Yep. Other people's prayers. Yeah that they have written and it is helpful in stirring up our affections. And one of my mentors in Illinois, his name is JK Jones, who I owe so much of my spiritual formation journey Mm. to would say, if you want to learn how to pray, go into the gymnasium of the Psalms. Mm. He goes, that's where we work out. Written prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Totally. And so when we, and the beautiful thing about the Psalms is how raw it is, how Mm -hmm. people do come as they are. There's every emotion, every gamut of human emotion on the planet is is in there. Absolutely. And sometimes we just don't have the words. And in terms of authenticity, I wrote out my marriage vows because they meant so much to me. And that wasn't inauthentic for me to read that in front of all my friends and family. As a matter of fact, it was deeply authentic Mm -hmm. and deeply intentional. Yeah. And I think that's what you get at when you pick up like a, you know, Danae's book right. or, you know, the book of common prayer yep. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I would encourage people too to like to write, write their prayers out sometimes too. Like, I think that's a huge part of like the practice of prayer is sometimes writing them out and coming back to those and developing kind of that yeah. rhythm too. And I like that you said earlier, you said we have room for both. Right. I have a morning and evening time that's set apart where I'm centering myself and I'm reflecting at the end of the day and setting an intention for the next day. But also throughout the day, I'm living into Paul's encouragement of like, pray at all times. Yeah. Never cease, never stop interacting with God and asking him, what are you up to in this moment Mm -hmm. right here? And how can I participate in it? Yeah. And I think too, like when you were talking earlier about Bishop Todd and about his church and kind of, I think one of the things that I've loved about how I've experienced Anglicanism and even like this writ, this idea of written prayer, but is it also like there is like the Holy Spirit is moving. Like I, I think of our church and I think of our diocese as kind of charismatic Anglican. Yeah, totally is. And so not, yeah, which I like love. Yeah. And so not forgetting that, like it's not, 
one or the other, like it's mm-hmm. both and, I think. And so like the Holy Spirit is, is always moving, mm-hmm. whether or not like we acknowledge it, right? The Spirit is moving in us and through us. And so I think that that's where that like comes into like, yes, there are written prayers and like the Spirit is present in that and in our like praying those prayers, but then also yeah. like, like how are we just like pausing and really listening to yeah. the Spirit moving? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces yeah. of it is that it, none of this has to be like one way only yeah. and very rigid. Yeah. I, I took a friend of mine, uh, Joseph to the monastery out in Florence last mm-hmm. week. We were there last Friday and I had to meet with my friend, uh, father Cosmos out there. And almost every time I meet father Cosmos, he says, he talks about C- compline. Yeah. And he talks about, it's one of his favorite times of prayer. Starts It starts at midnight for them. Mm-hmm. And, or actually, it's not he compline. Probably, it's probably, probably Vespers. Does. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so it's it's beyond compline. And they wake up. He calls it, he calls it clubbing with God. <laughs> he goes, we go clubbing with God, all yeah. of us 50 monks uh, here. But it was interesting to hear their, their intentional rhythms of fasting too. And he gave mm-hmm. me a, a calendar for their monastery. It's an mm. Eastern Orthodox uh-huh. Christian monastery. Yep. And and every Tuesday and Thursday, I mean it's there's a lot of things they fast from yeah. through the year. But every Tuesday and Thursday, they they eat vegan uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I so we were asking him, why? Why do you yeah. do that? And he just said, So much of the spiritual life is about exercising our free will and denying mm. ourselves. And so every Tuesday and Thursday and beyond that, even the things we choose to drink and eat and not eat yeah. is a way for us to train our flesh yep. to be submissive to that freedom yeah. to say, no, my flesh isn't going to be what's ruling over me. Jesus is my ruler. Mm-hmm. And because I want him to be Lord, I'm intentionally letting go of some things. Yeah. So I'm curious within the Anglican tradition or even your own uh, yeah. all souls, yeah. is there a collective practice of fasting? Is there some letting go where you're saying whether it's meals or social media or whatever, right. what has been helpful? Yeah, so I would say that, so for our community, the idea of fasting is something that we like talk some about, encourage people to practice and give different ideas. Because I think a lot of times when we think of fasting, people specifically go to food, sure. right? Which is like... Part of it. Totally part of it. But I think that like in our current cultural moment, like the busyness of life, oftentimes like we actually... Um, there's lots of ways we're called to fast and consider. So I think that looks pretty, can look really different for each person. Um, one of the things we've sort of joked about, but there's also like serious to, seriousness to it, is that over the last year, like we've all like had to give up a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we've, I think through this year, been trying to just draw our people's attention to that and to consider that like, it's, it's it's been involuntary in some ways, but even to consider the ways that that's like shaped and formed wow. us. And then to think about as we kind of move beyond, we've been calling it because of our liturgical calendar, we've been calling it COVID tide. Um, <laughs> so as we move beyond the season of COVID tide, which um, you, th- there's things that like, we also don't want to forget. There's things that like have actually shaped and formed us that I think have been yeah. good and beneficial. Um, so even thinking about that, like what are some things that maybe you didn't choose to sort of fast from or give up but that have actually like drawn you closer to the Lord have impacted you in terms of your spiritual life um and so like I think that when we you know idealically when we think of like oh how would we form our people around fasting it would have looked different but then this last year has just been like you know it's been the last year um for me personally like I think um 
I do tend like when I think when I need to enter into times of fasting. So I have some like regular rhythms through the year, yeah. especially like in the beginning of the year and around some of our bigger holidays, like Holy Week coming up, yeah. that I'll enter into times of fasting. Um, but then also, um, just kind of those. It's it's like one. It's those times when like I can just like feel the Lord calling me into a time of fasting when mm. things feel. Um, when there's so much going on and when I'm just really distracted and need to start like stripping things away so that I can just listen more closely to who God is. Um, and so I think that for me, like that's kind of how I tend to think Mm. around fasting. Yeah. I often wonder with the Hebrews passage 12, where it says, you know, just throw off anything that's entangling you Mm -hmm. in this race. And how does that, what does that look like practically? And I think one of the ways could be fasting. Yeah, for sure. Shedding things yep. that otherwise might be distracting, and they may be even good things. Let's admit, food's a good thing. It's a right. really good thing right. that God wants us to we delight in. It. It. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, um, but my perspective over the years has changed massively in terms of I used to look at the forty days in the wilderness that Jesus mm. spent fasting as a time, and it was preached to me as if it was like, okay, he's at his weakest moment now after forty yeah. days, and now the enemy comes and attacks him, and wow, look at how strong he is. But lately I've been thinking of that 40 days more as a time of him focusing mm-hmm. and, and strengthening yeah. his inner soul to get to a place of strength where he could face yes. the enemy one-on-one in, in this really dramatic, climactic, you know, mm-hmm. clash of good and evil. Yeah. And I think often be, the sin that so easily ta- entangles us, we can overcome that Right. By cooperating with the Spirit. I'm not saying we can do it, but by the Spirit's power in us, yeah. we can overcome those temptations. Yes. And we are a gluttonous culture. We're a lustful culture. Right. And how do we become the kind of people that just from the inside out naturally are bent towards mm-hmm. obedience, loving obedience towards right. God? And I think fasting helps. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just like when there's just, yeah, like so much kind of weighing us down and distracting us. Like mm-hmm. there are times when we have to just um, like shed a lot of that yeah. um, in order. I think too, to like, for me to discern a lot of like next steps. And I think one of the ways that I, that fasting and prayer um, have just really helped me in terms of my calling is I think in terms of like my, my prophetic voice and what God has called me into, um, in terms, I think a lot around, um, the justice that we're called to pursue for others and especially, and also work like peacemaking work, Mm -hmm. which I think like actually ties in really well with, with, um, justice because peacemaking is like an action, right? It's not just like a sitting still and doing nothing. Um, but oftentimes like I feel uncomfortable with some of the things that God has called me into. I think, especially in terms of like speaking up and speaking out and not wanting to like yeah. cause a, I don't know, cause issue or turmoil or whatever. Um, and so in those moments where I feel, where I actually feel kind of like the weakest or the most uncertain yeah. about something or I'm like, whatever God, like, I don't know about that. Like those are the times that I really have to enter into deep prayer mm-hmm. and fasting because I think it allows me to more clearly hear God's voice, yeah. um, and not the like the voices of everybody else, no. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just uh, walking through yesterday in Genesis, where there's this rhythm back and forth of God forms, you know, the heavens and the earth, and then He fills it with the sun, moon, mm-hmm. and stars, and then, mm-hmm. you know, He makes He He forms the sea. And then he fills the sea yeah. with fish. And then he, you know, forms all this vegetation. And then he 
fills it with humans to eat the vegetation mm-hmm. and then he sends them out mm-hmm. and it seemed there seems to be that back and forth um, rhythm in the New Testament of Jesus forming a people filling them with his spirit for the sake of others yeah for for justice right. for peace making I right. love that word because it is a creative act yeah and it is a bold act of yes. resistance at times right, right. And uh, often we suffer good kinds of persecution from yeah. speaking up, and maybe people won't like us. Right. I grew up in a, around tr- Christians that were really more cared about people pleasing. Yeah. Than justice. Yeah. And I think when we enter into these prayer and fasting rhythms, we become again the kind of people that, in moments where justice is needed, where yeah. peace is needed, we become those peacemakers. Right. We become justice-oriented people. Yes. Um. So, anyways, thank you so much yeah, for, for being sure. with us. Yeah, and would you close us out just in a prayer for our people yeah. and for the valley as a whole? Yeah, I would love to do thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus, we love you, and we um, come before you humble and bow down and just thankful um, for who you are, for your presence with us, that we get to serve a God who became human and who knows what it is to be human and to suffer. You know what it is um, to, you know what it is to be betrayed by others. You know what it is to press into this work of peacemaking, the work of justice and mercy, God. And I just pray um, that for all of us as individuals, um, for those of us as families and just in our communities and our churches, Lord, that we um, can be a people for the sake of others, Lord, that we just continually turn our gaze back to you and to who you are. Um, I pray that we remember that we are in mission with you and that we get to do this work with you and for you, Lord. And I just pray um, that as we consider what it is to be a prayerful people, um, that we just follow your example and turn to you and to your word in doing this, God. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Much love, sister. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.